Hello, my soldiers of love. My name is Jessie, and welcome to my podcast, Tea with the Gods. Today, we're going to discuss my absolute favorite divine couple, Aphrodite and Aries. This is going to be a bit different from my other episodes in that it's mainly going to be me rambling on about my own opinions about them. Yeah, there will be mentions of some of the myths, but there really isn't a lot of information about them as a couple for this to be purely educational. So the majority of it is going to be me basically fangirling, but in a way that I believe can pass off as informative. Because honestly, I think I make some great points. And I went to college specifically for history, and let me tell you, the majority of that was people giving their opinions on certain subjects anyway. So yeah, if the entirety of academia can do it, I sure as hell can. Okay, my bitterness towards academia is seeping out. Time to pour that lovely cup of tea and talk about why Aries and Aphrodite are the perfect symbol of a healthy relationship. When I was younger, I absolutely loved the Greek interpretation of the divine world and how it related back to the mortal realm. One of my favorite examples of this was the love between Ares and Aphrodite. How interesting was it to have love and war be in a devoted relationship? Mainly because the initial instinct of our human brains is to place love and war as not just opposites, but as mutually exclusive. If there's no love, then there's war. And if there's no war, then there's love. Neither able to be while the other exists. So seeing the physical embodiments of both concepts not only able to exist together, but be in love, that's kind of a paradox. But the truth is that Aries and Aphrodite's relationship isn't an example of opposites attract, because they aren't opposites. Many worshippers actually describe them as being two sides of the same coin, which I believe describes them perfectly. They're way more similar than most people realize, which is ultimately what makes their love so special. It's not that they are able to look past certain qualities in each other, or even that they love these qualities. It's that they understand them because they possess the same qualities. They represent the same things. They feel the same emotions. There is a deep personal understanding between them that you can only grasp from shared experiences. Essentially, it's like soldiers in war, right? People who fought together are known to have a bond and connection that no one else can ever fully comprehend. And it's been a common practice throughout history of soldiers falling in love because of that unparalleled connection. It also wasn't unheard of for certain societies to encourage relationships between their soldiers, believing they would fight harder and better. So where the hell am I going with this? Well, I really do see Ares and Aphrodite as those soldiers who are bonded by something that most people would never be able to comprehend, and who fell in love because of that bond. And what's super neat about that comparison, other than that I deserve a high five for it because it's perfect, it's that it helps us see Aphrodite in a whole new light. It helps us see Aphrodite as the war goddess she actually is. And that's one of the main reasons this couple is so fucking fantastic. Oh, I love them so much! They help emphasize the certain qualities in each other that typically goes unnoticed. 
Aphrodite's relationship with Ares helps showcase her own association with war. I think on the surface it's easy to think that Aphrodite loves Ares despite his battle lust. But when you begin to unravel who they are, that doesn't really add up. Because honestly, a warrior is who Ares is. You can't separate that from him, so you can't really love him without also at the very least understanding his passion for war. This is why I personally believe Aphrodite has her own hand in war as well. And referring back to my awesome warriors in love point, it makes so much more sense for them to have that bond. For them to have fought together on the battlefield back to back and loving every moment of it, especially because they were together. Like, that just feels right, doesn't it? And it's such a cool image that I would be heartbroken if it wasn't real. Like, really heartbroken. But given Ares' nature and his love of battle, and the fact that there is some kind of historical basis for Aphrodite being a war goddess, we'll discuss that next month, I really believe that they have fought side by side, and they both share a love for fighting. Another interesting element of their relationship is the fact that they aren't married. Pretty much all the divine couples are actually married. Zeus and Hera, Hades and Persephone, Eros and Psyche. Yet Ares and Aphrodite not only remain unwed, but they also carry on with relationships outside of their own. Now I know mythology has a lot to say on this. Firstly being that the reason Ares and Aphrodite aren't married is because technically Aphrodite is married to Hephaestus. Though that was done completely against her will, so can we even count it? Also, other versions give Hephaestus a new wife, leading me to believe that the two separated amicably if they were even ever married. But even putting all that aside, there's never really any mention of the two wanting to be married. It really only comes up when Zeus offers Aphrodite up as a reward, kind of leaving them with no choice because it was either Ares or someone else, and obviously both of them wanted it to be Ares. But after the whole being caught in the net and put on display for all of Olympia, never do they revisit the possibility of being married, which if you think about it, makes sense for who they are and what they represent. Now before I continue with this point, I just have to take a moment to talk about how much I totally do not at all, not even a little bit, believe the whole being caught in the net myth happened. If you don't know the myth, to sum it up, Hephaestus found out Aphrodite was cheating on him with Ares, so he set up a trap to catch them in the act. When they went to do all the naughty things that I want to personally do to the entire Spartan army, they got caught in the trap, which was a net, and then all of Olympus showed up to laugh at them and their supposed shame. And to all that, I say bullshit. First off, in no way would Aphrodite and Ares ever feel shame for fucking. Especially not with each other. Pretty sure they'd keep going even in the net. Also, since when did infidelity or sex in general become a big deal on Olympus? I really doubt the gods would have cared that much. Hell, they probably would have been like, well, duh, Ares and Aphrodite are banging uglies, and Apollo can't get a date for the prom. Tell us something we don't know. That's Hermes talking if it wasn't obvious by the jab at Apollo. <laughs> okay, enough side quests. Back to the main story. I also mentioned that Ares and Aphrodite engage in other relationships. And for the most part, it seems that both parties are cool with that. 
Mythology only tells us about Aphrodite cursing Eos for sleeping with Ares, and Ares killing Adonis when Aphrodite fell in love with him. Though it should be noted that the Adonis myth has multiple versions that don't all name Ares as the killer, so I'm shrugging my shoulders on that one. But even if we assume both stories actually happen, that's still really good stats, especially as far as divine relationships go. Both gods seem to have a mutual trust, not just in their relationship, but in each other. And they have a healthy outlook on relationships in general. There's really not this sense of, you're mine and only mine, no one else can have you kind of mindset, which really helps solidify basically everything I said last episode about Aries. He's surrounded by gods and mortal men who view women as possessions, and his whole war persona kind of gives him an excuse to be the jealous, possessive, you-belong-to-me boyfriend. But Ares doesn't take the free ticket to stereotypical bad boy land. Instead, he does the exact opposite and promotes healthy masculinity and healthy relationships by treating his lover as an actual person, or, well, in this case, goddess, instead of an object. Aphrodite being the embodiment of all love, sexuality, and passion between people, it really makes sense for her to not be monogamous. She by nature is love, sex, and passion, so that's how she's going to interact with the world. It's who she is. And Ares doesn't try to change that about her or force her into a monogamous relationship with him. On the contrary, Ares is super on board because Ares is just like Aphrodite. See, again, going back to the whole they love each other because they're the same point I keep making. As I talked about this in the last episode, Ares is pure passion. He moves through the world following his emotions, his beliefs, his own personal code. He knows he's not a monogamous guy, especially when we take into account the whole love between warriors speech I gave. He knows he's going to develop feelings for those he fights with and people he meets as he wanders the world punching assholes in the face. It's natural for an emotional guy like Ares to want to have that space, to be able to make those connections and to act on them whenever he wishes. And because he's such a wonderful and fantastic representation of masculinity, he knows he can't commit to monogamy, so he doesn't try to force it on himself or his lovers. Men, take note. Be like Aries. Okay, to bring myself down from this high I gave to myself, I just want to note that in no way am I knocking monogamy. The point I'm making is that Aries and Aphrodite know who they are, what works for them, and they aren't trying to force anything on themselves or others. They have a healthy understanding of what works for them, and they operate within those guidelines. Unlike, say, Zeus and Hera, who are trying to force something that obviously isn't working. That's why, to me, Aries and Aphrodite represents a healthy relationship. There's mutual respect and understanding. They allow one another to be exactly who they are without restrictions or conditions. They don't put any pressure on their relationship for it to be quote-unquote socially acceptable. Instead, they enable it to be whatever works for both of them. They are secure and confident enough to know what they want and what they need, and they don't compromise that. But they also have respect enough for each other to make sure their needs and wants are compatible. 
And ultimately, I think that's the key to what they really represent. Respect. Yes, they love each other deeply, but they also respect each other highly. Which, in my opinion, is really what makes them hashtag relationship goals. Okay, my sweet darlings, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I hope it wasn't too rambly for you and you found it at the very least entertaining. Personally, I'm feeling very emotional, which is normal when I discuss Aphrodite and Aries. I just love them so much, they're so perfect! Let's replace the love for the Joker and Harley Quinn with them instead. They deserve it for being just the absolute greatest. Anyway, the episode is over and I can't stop talking about them. This is what happens. Okay, so please let me know your feelings and opinions about the episode and Aries and Aphrodite in general. You can leave a comment depending on where you're listening to this, or come chat with me on social media. I'm The Pastel Priestess on Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube, and Tea with the Gods on Twitter. Please don't be shy. Honestly, if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a huge goob, so there's nothing to be afraid of. So next month is Aphrodite's month, which is a big deal here at Tea with the Gods, because Aphrodite is my main squeeze. She popped my pagan cherry and changed my life forever. Aphrodite is my it girl, so I am very excited to be able to talk about her with you all in the month of April. I'm also hoping to do more on my Tumblr and Instagram in her honor, so follow me on both those accounts if you want to check it out or join in the celebration. I'm thinking my next episode is going to be about my relationship with Aphrodite, how it started, what it's meant to me, how how it changed my life, and all that good stuff. So another emotional episode for me, but I hope you look forward to it. And as always, thank you so much for listening and for all your encouraging and positive words. It's always a joy to be able to interact with this wonderful community who I've grown to cherish so deeply. So thank you for being you. And until next time, may the gods forever be with you.